0: In his 34 years to date, our guest on The Year That Made Me Today has had a truly remarkable range of experiences and achievements. David Pocock, now Senator Pocock, the ACT's first independent senator, was born in Zimbabwe, growing up on a thriving family farm, facing very real threats of violence due to the Mugabe government's chaotic land redistribution process. In 2001, when David was 14, his family relocated to Brisbane Seven years later, David was playing for the Wallabies and he was the captain of the Wallabies at the age of 23. He played in three World Cups, won the John Eales medal twice, as well as living and playing in Japan before retiring from professional sport in 2020. Along the way, he's also founded several charities, published a book, been arrested at a protest after chaining himself to a digger at a coal mine and finally married the love of his life, Emma, in 2018 after they pledged in 2010 not to wed until there was marriage equality in Australia. Senator David Pocock, welcome to The Year That Made Me. Hey, Julian. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. David, what year have you chosen as The Year That Made You?
1: I'm going to go with 2017 took me a while to decide on that. That was the year of your uh, sabbatical from football. is that right? Yeah, I decided to take almost a year away from Australian rugby. initially just wanting a break from rugby to explore a few things you yeah, outside of uh, what I'd been doing for you know since I left school and it ended up being a lot more challenging than I thought and I, I th- think I, I learned a lot about myself and and really came back to rugby with a a different perspective.
0: Mm. I think it's fair to say that taking a year off for those reasons is probably not the standard thing uh, amongst uh, rugby players and even professional sports people generally. Where were you at before 2017? Why did you make that decision? And could you tell us something more about that perspective change that you got in the year off?
1: Sure. So... so, uh, I left school in two thousand and five, and luckily for me, there was a new Super Rugby team starting in Perth in two thousand and six, and so I was offered a contract straight out of school. Literally finished year twelve, went on a rugby tour to the UK with the with the Australian Schoolboys team. Came back, packed up my bags, and moved to Perth on the first of January two thousand and six, and was in a professional environment and and loved it. You know, it was a childhood dream. Was loving what I was doing. I went on to represent Australia, played in the 2011 Rugby World Cup and then the 2015 World Cup where we lost the final and really wanted to get to the next World Cup. Felt like there was unfinished business, but rugby had taken its toll on me physically. And I'd also been interested in all this stuff outside of rugby and and kind of figured after the 2016 season that i wanted to have a bit of a break and it was a tough thing to decide to do and then you know a hard thing to ask for and negotiate a lot of people said i was crazy sort of stepping away at a time Mm. when you know most people say you've got a short time in professional sport which you do and you should just cash in and make the most of it while you can but yeah there were other things that i wanted to explore and so managed to negotiate to have uh, a season away from Australia, decided to go back to Zimbabwe, and you know, I'd been thinking for for a while and involved in some community development work in Zimbabwe, and really wanted to explore the intersection of community development and conservation, and so I ended up spending eight months back in Zimbabwe working on a farm there and sort of yeah starting to think through how it might work and and speak to you know, different people who were involved in that in that space.
0: Was it a certainty throughout the year that you've chosen, David, of 2017, that you were going to return to rugby? Did you ever question that decision
1: during the year? No, I had, I had a firm... I'd sort of committed to coming back to mm. Australian rugby through to the next Rugby World Cup 2019. And so, really wanted to use it as a way to get away, explore some different things. I've really interested in agriculture and, and and conservation, and tried to do that. And and I guess you know, getting away from rugby for that length of time, one one of the the sort of biggest takeaways in terms of rugby was that rugby is probably sound a bit weird to to rugby fans, but you know, in the scheme of things, it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, most people in the world don't know much about rugby, have very little, little interest in it. And so in the scheme of things, this is something small. And so it, it gave me that sense of perspective. Uh, it's It's very easy in professional sport to get caught up in your bubble where you're surrounded by people who are very invested in the sport, think a lot about what you're what you're doing and so getting away you realize oh this is in the scheme of things this is (laughs) this is not that important there's 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 all these other important things in life but then at the same time traveling back to Zimbabwe the place where I'd grown up and meeting so many people who just took so much joy out of the fact that there was a Kid that grew up in the middle of Zimbabwe in Gweru, who is now playing rugby on the international stage, and you see how much joy and sort of pride it gave people. Yeah. You realise, well, this is at the same time as in the scheme of things, not being that important, is also such an amazing uh, privilege to be able to to do this, to to play rugby on the world stage and represent so many people. And so I think, you know, it, I returned to Australian rugby with a different perspective, really just wanting to make the most of every opportunity I had and, you know, contribute and, and and give back.
0: On The Year That Made Me, we're speaking with Senator David Pocock about his extraordinary life. And let's return, David, to Zimbabwe as he did in uh, 2017, it's obviously a place that's very special to you, but also uh, has, I think, a mixed resonance because the end of your time living in Zimbabwe was traumatic uh, for everyone in your family. Um, could you talk to us a little about how that impact played out for you and for your family when you came to Australia?
1: Yeah, I mean, but I arrived in Australia at end of year nine, so 14, and after a pretty awful you know few years in zimbabwe things really took a turn there was the yeah you know, now sort of well-known land reform program where the government decided that land redistribution and reform was a priority you won't hear many zimbabweans saying that land reform didn't have to happen but it was the way that it was done it was purely a political play to try and get get votes rather than a well thought out land reform program and so it was a you know it was a couple of years of of turmoil and and, and going from as a kid never never dreaming that i would leave zimbabwe to seeing the president on tv saying that you know white farmers are basically the cause of all of zimbabwe's problems and need to leave the country I'm not welcome so a pretty confusing time as a as a kid and I guess we were we were some of the the lucky ones my mum was a qualified teacher and who managed to get into Australia as uh, as part of the the skilled migration program and, and so arrived just so grateful for the opportunity as, as a 14 year old and just wanting to make the most of it and really you know, repay this country that had given my family a second chance after we, we essentially lost, we lost everything, you know, as farmers, you're most of the time, you're asset rich and, and very cash poor. And so to lose your farm and and all of the improvements on it, we, you know, we arrived in Brisbane with 10 suitcases and started life again. So that's, so I guess, how we got here. And then to go back in 2017, you know, in, in that time, I'd been involved in community development projects mm. and had, had really tried to give back. But really being back there and being immersed uh, in that place again, one, I, I loved. You know, I think the place that you grow up, there's something about it, the smells, the sounds of birds, you know, the the different owls that that call at night, and we were we were sort of out rural, in rural Zimbabwe for almost the in, entire time. So really enjoyed being back out there. But it it is also confronting. I think something that most immigrants probably feel is is that you get to this point where you don't quite feel like you fully belong anywhere. You go back to your where you're from, and clearly you don't feel like you fully belong there anymore. And in your, your new home. You also, in in some ways, feel like a bit of a bit of an outsider at times. So, yeah, it was a time of, I guess, grappling with that a bit, but also living remotely in this rural farming community. We didn't have running water for uh, seven months there, and so really going back to basics, and I guess appreciating. Just how much we take for granted here in Australia. When you're living in a in a rural area in Zimbabwe with no running water, you know electricity there is uh, fairly unreliable. And then you know just across the river, you're living next to communities that are seriously doing it tough. Some of the poorest uh, people in Zimbabwe. So it was a challenging year. It probably wasn't. Uh, my wife and I joked. Uh, more than a few times during the year that, you know, we could have gone to some beach and put our feet up for <laughs> eight months. And instead, as Emma would say, in typical Pocock fashion, we've thrown ourselves into this insane challenge that is way too big for us. And we don't quite know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um But, you know, it was important and, and I really got so much out of it. And I think it's one of those things where at the time we found it hard and, sort of wondered why we'd chosen to do that. But you look back and you think, no, that was a really important time for us individually, but also for our relationship.
0: Mm. David, having got a a broader perspective, I suppose, on the world of rugby during your sabbatical year, obviously you'd been really, really focused, uh, obsessed with it for... Many of those years, once you, well all those years, I suppose, once you arrived in Australia, you, you, you had an obsession with with health, in particular, diet and exercise, and obviously some aspects of those obsessions uh, pay dividends in your sporting career. But it seems there were some uh, less healthy aspects of those health obsessions. How do you feel those played out?
1: Well, I I think we all find different ways of of dealing with challenges and and trauma. Mm. As a teenager, where so many big things were happening that were totally out of my control. I, I could do nothing to change what was happening in Zimbabwe, nothing to change that, you know, seeing my family lose their farm. But what I could control was my eating and my training and you know, in many ways it's a it's a coping mechanism and sort of a, an anxiety management system. And in many ways it served me well. I did channel it into sport and found ways for that to serve me and, and thankfully in my 20s then I guess managed to get a bit more perspective and, and, and went and actually sought help and found people who could help me not... Uh, have to keep serving that that way of dealing with with anxiety so yeah it is one of those things where I wouldn't change it uh, but I, i'm i'm really glad to have sort of done some work to try and outgrow that and looking back at my rugby career I'm really grateful for having a focus outside of sport I really tried to have Friends outside of the sport, and to be working on on projects that I felt like grounded me in something out of the sports world, and were a real reminder that the David Pocock, the rugby player, was just part of me. That wasn't the in entirety of me, and, and um, you know, I think that's that's really important for us to remember is that we do have these different personas that we inhabit for parts of our lives, but that's not. That doesn't have to be who who we are.
0: We're speaking with David Pocock on The Year That Made Me. David, being a committed Christian is not always associated with being progressive on issues like homosexuality and marriage equality. What influences do you put the particular configuration of your spiritual and political beliefs down to?
1: Well, in terms of being a... Committed Christian. I, I I grew up in a fairly fundamentalist family in a very conservative farming community in Zimbabwe, and so you know you you inherit all of those belief systems. It was really moving to Perth as a 17-year-old, where all of a sudden I had this space from family. Family was on on the east coast. I was over in Perth. This was before. WhatsApp and FaceTime—it's uh, you know not 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 that long ago, and I think you you go through the really healthy sort of time of going well, what do I actually believe for myself? And you know, looking at the the sort of Christian faith that I'd inherited from my family, and reading more about sort of historical Jesus, I sort of thought on the whole, there's a lot more an ethic of of love and of caring for each other than a lot of the legalistic stuff that I think we see past as Christianity. I mm-hmm. mean, this this was a person who it was very subversive at the time to the point where they killed him. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that really challenged the way that I thought about it and then having... You know heroes like Desmond Tutu, who were firmly on the side of the oppressed were constantly pushing society to to be more inclusive to think about our our neighbor in you know the the very sort of literal sense of doing things that are that are good for each other and recognizing that yeah we're 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 all part of this uh sort of crazy thing that we call humanity and I think we all have a have a role role to play and and being kind seems like a good way to to start that out. So I guess it's you know, like like many people who grow up in those sorts of fundamentalist churches, been on a bit of a journey and yeah, I don't know I don't yeah. know where, where it'll end. The journey that you've been on
0: in terms of your faith and your your beliefs on issues like marriage equality, has that been a source of conflict and or division within the family that you grew up with, with different, very different views? Wouldn't be the first time.
1: Of course. No, huge, you know, huge conflict initially. And I think, yeah, particularly back then, this is clearly something that we've seen a huge societal yes. shift in the last decade or so. And, you know, I think, I think largely for, for the better, you know, I think it, yeah, it's, it's, It's one of those things that that can cause issues in families, does. And I think our current politics really doesn't help, you know. The sense of conservatism, sort of conserving the past, the things that have worked for us is, is really valuable and important, as is progress and moving forward and deciding what to let go of to embrace a different, potentially more whole, new. And uh, you know, I think that tension between being progressive and being conservative is a really healthy thing with that is within every human and should be within every community and every society. And yet our politics has got to the point where you've got a whole group of people who their identity is now being conservative and not wanting to change at any cost, and then you've got another whole group of people who their identity is being progressive, and I, I just don't think it's a it's a healthy healthy thing. It, it alienates a lot of people, and they 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 don't agree with either side fully. Mm. They they want to be able to have these bigger conversations and and find a way forward together on on certain things and on other things to to say well actually this this works for us as a as a community so i'm 20... not sure how we got there
0: sorry no no that was great uh, 2022 has been a year in which you've started to remake yourself as a, a senator in the Australian parliament someone involved in vital negotiations uh, about uh, key legislative issues how does that compare so far to the difference Public spotlight of being a professional sports person with skills and abilities that mean that you can assert yourself onto situations in a way that I'm sure is very different from um, working out whether you're going to vote in favor of legislation or, or, or work out deals that you can live with before uh, committing one way or the other
1: Oh it's been such a wild ride it's been it's It's been so much fun a, a very steep learning curve and honestly such a privilege to represent the ACT on, on all of these big issues that we face. It's been really uh, affirming in some ways. You know, after I retired from rugby, I'd often joke with my wife Emma that, you know, I wish I'd done something that was more transferable because I'd spent literally thousands of hours working on certain skills in rugby that I'm never going to do again. You know, that's, that's thousands of hours that, uh, trying to get better at, you know, stealing the ball from the rock, uh, that is now totally useless to me.
0: Perhaps in the Korean but, parliament, but probably not before <laughs> in Australia.
1: But you realize that you've, you've, you know, have learned all these other skills, being part of a team, being willing to take on board feedback, performing under pressure, having a good work ethic and so i've really enjoyed being being part of a, a small team and and obviously not having a political background really working to to make politics ab- about people and to listen and be willing to you know as i said earlier to try and find that middle ground that i think so many people are are, are craving the one of the things i really love was the election campaign as i'm generally pretty introverted as an introvert, I don't think I'd ever spoken to so many people you know, in my life in that sort of four or five months of campaigning. And you really realise just how sick people are of the hyper-partisan nature of politics and the, the way that the debate is so polarised. People are craving a bit more common-sense debate and a, you know, a, way, a way forward. You've got social media where you've got the extreme... You know, 5% of people slinging mud at each other and then I think most people fit somewhere in between.
0: David Pocock, thank you so much for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. Thanks for having me. And we always finish The Year That Made Me, David, by asking our guest to
1: pick a piece of music. Gang of youths, say yes to life. This is A great motto
0: for a Sunday morning and for any day. (laughs) Thank you so much. Here it is, say yes to life.